Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. SCP-4935 Hereafter The end of death canon is a specific timeline in the SCP universe in which life on Earth loses the ability to die, making every man, woman, child, animal, and insect on the planet functionally immortal. This is a pretty big problem, and I went over it in my end of death video, but it's a concept that crops up once in a while in other articles as well. SCP-4935 doesn't take place in the end of death canon, but it does relate to it as you'll see with the Foundation able to take a peek at what that timeline might end up looking like. As a slight spoiler, it's not exactly pretty. SCP-4935 refers to a few things, primarily a temporal anomaly existing within a nature preserve in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The anomaly can be identified visually due to shifts in wavelengths as one approaches it, and after passing into the anomaly, an individual is taken to a future point in time on Earth, roughly 130,000 years in the future. The anomaly is still located on Earth due to star positions, but the abundance of oxygen has led to a large number of megaflora, with many trees in excess of 200 meters in height. Based on the Foundation's investigations, this future is largely devoid of intelligent life, with only two significant exceptions. The first is a race of pseudo-humanoid entities who refer to themselves as the ACOT, a word meaning grave diggers in their language. The ACOT are a highly secretive and highly advanced species that inhabit the dark forests of the planet, mostly in small groups in underground vaults or other structures. They do appear to be genetically linked to modern humans, but possess elongated skulls, larger, deep-set eyes, reduced mouths and noses, less robust chests and abdomens, and longer, leaner arms and legs. The ACOT themselves don't seem to be anomalous in their physiology, as their differences from modern humans can be explained by technological advancements, evolution, and time. According to the ACOT, they are here to guard and protect the Hereafter, a massive levitating black cube around 20 cubic kilometers in size, situated above a massive machine complex near the center of the African continent. This structure was apparently created as a resting place for roughly 93 billion people, the population of the planet at the time of its construction, all of which had lost the ability to die. As time passed between becoming immortal and the creation of the cube, humanity broke out into war and madness. The hereafter was designed to house Earth's population in a suspended state, so that one day, if the ability to die was restored, they could successfully pass on. The ACOT were left out of the hereafter and put in place to maintain it, as well as continuing to research what had happened to life and death. 
It would seem, though, that the ACOT haven't had much luck in that department. The ACOT themselves all suffer from a debilitating genetic disorder that causes their bodies to deteriorate over time, leading them to often augment their bodies with technology to offset their reduced functionality. The main effect of this genetic disorder, though, is that the ACOT have a tenuous connection to three-dimensional space, existing within two spatial dimensions simultaneously. The one dimension is, of course, this Earth, and they use highly advanced anchors to keep them here most of the time, but the other dimension is referred by them as the High Horror, and if these anchors fail, they can dimensionally shift very violently and painfully into the other dimension. Discussion of this dimension amongst the ACOT is strictly taboo. The other intelligent life present in this future is a massive scorpioid entity, nearly 8 kilometers in length, that is currently intertwined with the hereafter. The ACOT say that it is eating its way into the cube, and currently a portion of its front section is buried in the outer layer of the structure. The ACOT claim that it has been on the planet for around 600 years, a number that the Foundation is not so sure about, and they refer to it as the Corpse Father, although they don't know or don't say where it came from. Aside from eating its way into the cube, it's also capable of spawning larval incarnations of itself in large swarms, which are highly aggressive and dangerous in large numbers, but are only functional for around 30 hours. When asked about why this temporal anomaly connecting the timelines might exist, the ACOTs say that it's because of a series of experiments designed to collapse the linear flow of time in a controlled area, as a way for them to combat the Corpse Father. We'll hear more about those experiments later. Next, we're given a memo from a Foundation doctor discussing the ACOT and the Hereafter. He describes the ACOT as an incredibly secretive people whose culture is seemingly based on staying out of sight, to the point of when they first met with them, some of them stayed so still it was easy to forget they were even there. It turned out that the language barrier wasn't really an issue as the ACOT have retained some technology that essentially allows a listener to receive verbal responses in whatever language they are most familiar with, a technology that the Foundation hopes to reverse engineer. Most of their language seems to have a lot of deep-seated mysticism and religious connotations that are meaningless to the Foundation even when translated, including their name meaning grave diggers. Discussing the hereafter, the doctor says that most of what the ACOT know about it has been passed down through legend, but the Foundation is getting the gist of it. At some point, potentially more than 100,000 years prior to this future point, which could put it pretty close to the Foundation's present, humanity lost the ability to die biologically. The ACOT referred to these initial people as the Forerunners as they were the ones who experienced the most radical changes in their society. Many of the great cities on this planet, which are now ruins, were built during this time, and some even went out into the stars. The population boomed out of control, of course, which soon led to an incredible scarcity of resources. Since people couldn't die, this just led to a whole lot of suffering. 
More people left the planet to head into space, but eventually no more rockets could be built. And despite their advancements in technology, humanity suffered and collapsed into war. War only brought torment to its victims, though, who were left as mangled bodies with a consciousness, or worse, having your consciousness scattered into some sort of disorganized hell. Also during this time, the incident that led to the creation of the ACOT as genetically divergent humans occurred. The incident was due to them looking for a way to die, but it backfired pretty badly. After war had crippled humanity, the planet went dark for quite a while, in silence. An ACOT archivist says that they have more info about the medieval dark ages than they do of this period. After that though, the cube arrived, and despite it being extraterrestrial in nature, it's not clear where it came from or who exactly built it. Perhaps those that had fled the planet had uncovered something after all. A group of 13 individuals offered the world an escape from their hellish existence through sleep, as the cube would keep them fed, clean, and asleep, and if somehow down the road it became possible to die again, the cube would finally kill them. Practically the entire population of the world at the time eagerly accepted the offer, but the only ones that weren't invited were the ACOT, who were too fragile to handle the process, and had been ostracized by the rest of the population for the incident they had caused. For the last 100,000 years, they have been left to clean up the world and watch over the cube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The ACOT are immortal, but eventually their condition breaks down their bodies until they are nothing but non-functioning consciousnesses. They reproduce to keep a sustainable active population, as the oldest functioning members are over 20,000 years old, and it's apparently very difficult to speak to them coherently. Most of the ACOT the Foundation have spoken with have been only a few hundred or a thousand years old. They've gone about this business for many thousands of years, until the Corpse Father appeared. We'll get to more of the Corpse Father and the ACOT later, but let's take a brief intermission for a good old fashioned exploration log, as the Foundation sends in an MTF to check out the hereafter. They send in a five man team from MTF Epsilon 45, Base Jumpers, not to check out the cube just yet, but to explore the mechanical complex underneath the cube, an area roughly the size of a small city, which the ACOT refer to as the Ark. As the team approaches, one of them comments on the sheer size of the cube, and they see long metal extensions rising out of the Ark up towards the hereafter. Something heavy falls from behind the cube and lands somewhere in the Ark, as the team lead, Murphy, explains that although they can't see it, there's a giant scorpion trying to eat its way into the hereafter. They're going to try and stay on this side of the cube to avoid falling debris. They reach the perimeter of the superstructure, and utilize some tech borrowed from the Mole Rats MTF to easily scale the metal pylons 
that form the perimeter border. They approach the nearest tall structure and begin hearing a distinct sound of metal striking metal coming from inside. As they remove the corrosion covering the door, it falls to the ground with a loud crash, and the sound stops. Entering the structure, they find a series of tall towers that extend upwards and have no visible bottom. A narrow walkway is suspended across the chasms, and Murphy explains that this was all built as a doomsday machine to kill humanity, but it didn't work, likely because they weren't smart enough to understand the original creator's intention. It's apparently a point of both pride and shame for the ACOT. The metal sound returns, and the team shines their lights down the walkway to find a humanoid figure 20 meters away, half protruding from a nearby wall. One of the figure's hands is wrapped around a piece of metal tubing, which it is slowly tapping against the wall. Murphy calls out to it, causing it to stop moving and open one of its eyes. The team approaches, realizing that it's an ACOT, one which is pretty old. The ACOT mumbles something about a dream, asking if they can hear it, and asking who dreams like this. It realizes that the people in front of it are real, and although it can't see them, it feels their presence and knows they are not ACOT. Murphy says that they are travelers that have come from far away to explore this place. The ACOT immediately asks if they can kill him, because when his body began failing, and his consciousness started to drift into the other dimension, he fled to this machine to keep him anchored here. It's worked, but now he claims that this is even worse than going to hell, because of the loneliness and the darkness. Murphy apologizes and says that they can't kill him, which greatly disappoints the ACOT, and he asks if they still speak his name, Husin. He pauses and then remarks that it's been 6,000 years since he came here, and there will be none who remember him now. A number of the ACOT came here to battle against the Corpse Father, but they were unsuccessful, and most of them were scattered into the darkness. Husin was afraid of this fate, though, and came here to hide and wait. This means that the Corpse Father was here 6,000 years ago, not the 600 that the ACOT originally told the Foundation. When mentioning this, Husin says that the craven king Berlin lied to them, because he was here the day that the seas opened up and that thing crawled out of the depths 6,000 years ago. Husin doesn't know why they would have lied to the Foundation about this, as the corpse father is inevitability. He suggests that perhaps in their arrogance they believed that the Foundation would be fooled into thinking that the ACOT have not exhausted all of their options. Husin doesn't elaborate on this point, other than saying that the other ACOT will act in desperation now, and he has dreamed of the day when they would expend their last efforts, and they might be saved, in one way or another. Murphy asks if this machine can be controlled in some way, and Husin tells him that it's in the center, but the Ark cannot be tasked any longer, and there is no more use for it. As the MTF moves on, Husin begs for them not to go, as he's terrified that the corpse father will pass over him after devouring everything else, and he will be left alone here until the stars go out. 
The team can't do anything for him though, so they continue traveling through the arc towards the center. The machine seems to be completely inert, with no sounds audible aside from the team, but they do eventually come to a series of illuminated hallways heading towards a large central area. In the center of this area is an illuminated pillar of coiled steel tubing stretching upwards for several hundred meters, topped by a dull blue pulsing ring of metal. Far above this is the bottommost corner of the cube. As the team moves in, a figure suddenly appears in front of them in the form of a young human boy with a noticeably different physiology than modern humans. The figure is clearly holographic in nature though, and greets the team by introducing itself as Garion, a name mentioned by Husin as someone that was brave but now resides in hell. Garion says that it is the engineer of the forsaken peoples of this world, and the team has arrived at their final resting place. The hologram can hear the team, and was created to answer and respond to the inquiries of anyone who came across their burial place. Murphy asks what this machine was designed to do, and Garion says that long before he was born, humanity decided that they would prefer death over their never-ending existence, and this device is the culmination of their efforts, a machine that would rend their souls from their bodies and sever the threads that are keeping them alive. Murphy then asks how the device is powered, but Garion replies that that information has been expunged from the database. When asked when the machine was activated, they're told that it's never been activated, and the database knows this because there are still living humans on the planet. Information on how the machine was created has also been expunged, but Garion knew how to create it because his birth was scientifically engineered to provide him the greatest compendium of knowledge the world had to offer. Murphy of course asks where he got that knowledge, to which the database responds that the SCP Foundation had collected a massive archive before cutting itself off and saying that additional information has been expunged. Murphy asks if the machine can be activated, but is told that it's no longer functional for its intended purpose in its current state, but has been modified by a third party to perform a different task. What exactly that task is, though, has also been expunged. The MTF doesn't glean any more info after this, and soon return from the exploration. Upon their return to the present Earth, there seems to be a slight discrepancy in how much time they experienced versus how much time passed in the present, with an investigation into that phenomena ongoing. Next we have a report written by another doctor about the ACOT, explaining that the common theory about the ACOT's creation was that the first ACOT believed that they could move their souls to a higher plane of existence, allowing them to terminate their normal consciousness and bypass biological death. The machine they used to accomplish this is the complex underneath the hereafter, and it's where the ACOT who have grown too old and non-functional now rest. The incident with the machine occurred to a chief scientist making a critical miscalculation, causing the ACOT's bodies and minds to be split between this dimension and the one they refer to as the High Horror. This leaves them in basically perpetual torment, dancing on the wire between two realities and never comfortable in either one. The ACOT still believe in technology though, and possess technology that allows them to 
move unseen through the world, communicate telepathically, and walk through walls. But even these machines are diminishing alongside their bodies. With the corpse father present, it won't be long before there are no longer any healthy ACOT left, and their species will succumb to the high horror. According to them, then, they created the temporal anomaly, hoping that someone from the past could assist them with their situation and prevent their damnation. Another doctor then moves on to discuss the Corpse Father, comparing it to another similar entity, SCP-4812-K, although that one is dramatically smaller than the one on the hereafter. There are other physiological differences, but the Foundation isn't ruling out the possibility that the Corpse Father is the future version of 4812-K. Although the ACOT archivists say that all the creatures of the sea died off long ago for some reason, the Corpse Father is said to have crawled out of the sea some 600 years ago. The first ACOT to see the entity called it the Annihilator with a Thousand Eyes, since its head was covered with many faces joined together, something very similar to 4812-K. The Corpse Father led to a schism between the ACOT, with some believing that being consumed by it would lead to a fate worse than having your consciousness scattered without a body, while others believed that the Corpse Father was their deliverance, calling themselves the Corpse Children. They believed that although the entity would take their faces, it would obliterate their souls completely in the process. This schism ended when 40% of the ACOT population decided to march to the sea to meet the Corpse Father, where they were promptly devoured, as they expected. When their faces appeared on the entity's head though, they were in anguish and cried out to the others to save and forgive them. This led to the remaining ACOT launching a war against the Corpse Father, utilizing highly advanced technology to do so, including nanomachines, orbital bombardments, advanced nuclear weapons, and other tools. Despite everything though, the entity was unscratched, and it made its way to the hereafter to begin chewing its way inside. So the ACOT are a people mercilessly trapped between their own failing existence here and the ultimate anguish of the other dimension, failing in their duties to help kill the 93 billion in the cube, as well as stopping the corpse father from devouring them all and leaving them in perpetual torment. That brings us to the temporal anomaly that brought the foundation here, which they claimed they created to try and bring assistance from the past. The foundation isn't buying this story though, since they are much further advanced in technology than the foundation and we couldn't accomplish anything that they couldn't. The ACOT then changed their story, saying that the anomaly was created due to some of the weapons used against the Corpse Father, which is more believable but doesn't explain why they lied. We'll be finding that out soon enough. As the Foundation continued to pop in and out of the future, they discover that the time discrepancy between the present and future is growing wider with each trip. What started out as only a few minutes difference has now expanded to nearly four hours. It seems to be growing more unstable with each passing day. The ACOT refer to the machine that attempted to separate their souls from their bodies as Garion's Ark, completely credited to a mythical figure named Garion. The ACOT believe that Garion damned them with the creation of this machine, 
but also that the machine is the only tool for their salvation, as it didn't work as intended originally due to the involvement of others aside from Garion, but it could be fixed. According to Akot legend, Garion was only eight years old when he designed and commissioned the machine, as he was a once-in-a-civilization-level genius. They generally have reverence for their elderly, but they also have reverence for their very young, as they hope that one of the young Akot might be the next Garion. Discussing the time difference in a report, as a recent team was sent in for only 180 minutes, but were gone from the present for 277 minutes, a doctor says that they approached the Akot about this discrepancy. The Akot were surprisingly frank about it at this point, explaining that the anomaly wasn't them trying to reach out for help or some sort of weapon side effect, it was instead an open valve. This leads to an interview between a Foundation agent and an Akot archivist, as the archivist says that, in their shame, they deceived the Foundation. The Akot are out of time, and death is a long-lost dream at this point, with the only real hope being an end of suffering. The problem that needs to be solved, then, is time, which only prolongs the suffering, especially thanks to the Corpse Father. The Akot need to bring the forward march of time to a stop to prevent their final defeat, so they plan on using Garion's Ark to interrupt the flow of time in this area, putting them all in temporal stasis. The Archivist says that whatever happens outside of their bubble will mean nothing to them, and perhaps they'll stay in that interrupted state until the end of the universe, and perhaps then they shall find reprieve. The agent asks if this is the same machine that created the Akot in the first place, and the Archivist says that it is, but they do not fault Garion for what happened, because it was others that could not conceive his vision who doomed them. The agent then asks about the temporal anomaly that brought them here, because that's not quite explained yet, and the Archivist reluctantly says that there will always be errors, and it's not their fault. The agent presses the Archivist for an explanation, and the Archivist grows agitated, saying that the Foundation cannot even begin to comprehend the suffering that the Akot have experienced, as they are fleeting creatures with fleeting existences. The Archivist then pauses, and asks not to be judged, because they have known nothing but agony for many thousands of years, and they are afraid, and cowardly, and just want to die. The Archivist then says that the Ark isn't going to be used to interrupt their time, it's going to interrupt our timeline, the Foundation's present. The Akot will prevent us from ever experiencing the end of death, so that no one will suffer, and the Akot will never be created. This, according to them, was Garion's will, and they must receive it. Although the Agent says that this would mean the destruction of humanity, the Archivist replies that it wouldn't be destruction, but salvation for all of them. Obviously, the Foundation isn't going to go for that, so the Ethics Committee is called to rule on whether or not to authorize hostile actions against the ACOT. With a vote of 7-2, the Committee approves a plan to mitigate the risk of the Anomaly's threat to our world. This leads to the establishment of two Scranton-Lang-energized nullifiers at the site of the Temporal Anomaly, which quickly collapsed 4935. 
At the same time, multiple explosives were detonated at the site of the machine complex. Shortly before the anomaly's collapse, several ACOT were seen on the other side of it, desperately trying to push themselves through to our side. The anomaly continued to shrink, however, crushing them in the process, until nothing of SCP-4935 remained. After a while, the nullifiers were removed, and the anomaly did not reform, although the classification committee ruled that 4935 remain as a Euclid class until a time when there's no longer a risk of it reappearing. Well, job done, I guess. Yes, the Foundation effectively doomed 93 billion people plus a handful of ACOT, but really there wasn't much else they could do. The only real question then is whether or not this is the Foundation's future. Well, in that timeline the Foundation provided info to Garion so that he could create the Ark, one wonders if the knowledge they've gleamed from 4935 would help if it played out again. Perhaps they could prevent the end of death entirely or perhaps things will occur exactly as they did in the future timeline, leading to a perpetual circle of time. There isn't really anyone foolish here, neither the ACOT who just wanted things to be over, nor the Foundation who aren't going to let some future pseudo-humans destroy their species. It's just a tragedy that played out with nothing either side could really do differently, and another reminder that immortality is a fate that should be avoided at all costs.